0: The scripture portion uh, for the sermon this morning is from Genesis, chapter 18, verses 1 to 15. Serena is going to read that out for us.
1: Genesis, chapter 18, verses 1 to 15. And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Maury, as he, Abraham, sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. While I bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh yourselves and after that you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abraham went quickly into the tent to Sarah And said, Quick, three seers of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to a young man who prepared it quickly. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years, the way women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am born out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child, now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, No, but you did laugh. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thank you, Serena. Uh, We're in the middle of a short sermon series on Genesis chapter 16, uh, titled, Three Sinners. Abraham, his wife Sarah, and his concubine Hagar are the three sinners. In the first week of the sermon series, we saw how God met with Hagar and touched and transformed her after she had sinned. That was Genesis 16. In the second week, we saw how God met with Abraham, gave him the grace of circumcision and transformed him. That was Genesis chapter 17. And today we are looking at Genesis Chapter 18, because after meeting with Hagar and Abraham, God is now meeting with Sarah. And he is transforming Sarah in this chapter. If you missed the earlier two sermons, I really encourage you to watch it online. It's available on YouTube. This morning, I'd like to draw out three things for us from this passage. Sarah's bitterness. Sarah's encounter, encounter with God, and Sarah's faith. Sarah's bitterness, Sarah's encounter with God, and Sarah's faith. Three things. Let's start with Sarah's bitterness. If you remember Genesis chapter 16, the first thing we are being we are made aware of is Sarah's bitterness with God at not being able to have a child. Verse 2, Genesis chapter 16. And Sarah said to Abraham, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Quite understandably, Sarah was deeply disappointed. I'm sure uh, we can all empathize with her pain. She'd been waiting for years without a child. And to make matters worse, I'm sure she would have seen a lot of children being born among Abraham's large group of servants. He had servants by the hundreds. I'm sure there were many babies born during Sarah's long years of waiting. And in that culture, for a woman, it's not just the disappointment of not being able to have a child. In that culture, there was also a lot of shame attached to this. Not in the Bible, not in God's plans, not in our mind. Our minds, But in that culture, the sole worth of a woman was a capacity to bear children. And so at that time, in that culture, if a woman could not bear children, she was considered worthless. So Sarah was not only experiencing deep pain and anguish and disappointment, she would also have endured long years of... Of shame. And over the years, her sorrow and her shame would have made her bitter and cynical. We see this. She's angry with God. Understandably so. But she is angry with God. She's cynical. She's bitter. It's not surprising. It's not surprising Because cynicism with God is often an unhealthy defense mechanism we build to cover up all the hurt that lies inside. But when we cover up our hurt with cynicism, we only become more bitter and more resentful in our hearts. And when this happens, not only are we hurting, but we begin to hurt others as well. In our cynicism, we will not only harm ourselves, but we will also hurt others. And you can see that playing in, in, the, in the portion of Bible, of the Bible we are looking at. A bitter Sarah, a cynical Sarah, is inflicting inflicting pain and hurt on Hagar. We saw that in the first week. Sarah dealt extremely harshly with Hagar, not even showing any mercy because she, Hagar was pregnant. She dealt with her very harshly. When we become bitter with God, we also become bitter with people around us. And Sarah was not only bitter with Hagar... It's pretty obvious from Genesis 16 that she was also bitter with Abraham. And as we move along, as we read Genesis 16 to 18, you can also see the evidence of Sarah's cynicism and and bitterness growing. There was a 14 to 15 year gap between Genesis 16 and Genesis 18. Sarah remained, remained childless all those years. And Sarah's bitterness and Sarah's cynicism would have only become worse and worse during those long, sorrowful, painful, and even shameful years. We see this unfold in Genesis chapter 18, the passage we're looking at this morning. Look at verse 10, verses 10 to 12. When God promised Sarah a child... She laughs cynically. So, Sarah laughed to herself, saying, I'm worn out, and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure. This was a cynical laugh. God is promising Sarah a child. God is promising her that her dreams, her prayers are finally being answered. But she's not able to receive that. In her cynicism, she is not able to receive God's promise when God is standing in front of her in the form of those three men and promising her. In our cynicism, we often slam the door on the face of God's grace. That's what cynicism does. Cynicism with God is a dangerous spiritual condition. Cynicism is worse than anger. See, even anger is okay to some extent, The psalmists express their anger. Even anger is okay to some extent because in our anger, we actually turn to God. We direct our anger to God. Sometimes sinfully, sinfully so, but we still direct. We're turning to God in our anger. But in our cynicism, we turn away from God. You see that happening in this passage. That afternoon when God came in the form of those three men and met Sarah, Sarah was in the very presence of God God was in her home but because of her cynicism she could not enjoy God's presence and she could not receive God's promise In your city, like in any church there are always some people who are cynical and some of us are cynical understandably so Reasons we can all empathize with. We are bitter with God. We are probably blaming God for some things. If we are cynical, we are believing a wrong narrative that God has abandoned us. Abandoned us. Well, in reality, it is not God who has abandoned us, but it is we who have turned away from God in our cynicism. We often ask God. Where are you? We cry out, God, where are you? He's right here. He's right here in the midst of our suffering. It's just that we are so bitter that we are unable to see Christ, the man of sorrows, as the Bible describes him in one place, standing with us in our suffering. We are too cynical and bitter to see God with us. That's exactly what's happening to Sarah here. God is in her home. And she is actually serving God. If you remember the passage, she took the flour and she netted it and she baked them into cakes for the Lord. Could come in the form of these three men. She is actually preparing a meal for God. You see, Sarah was serving on the outside, but she... Was hurting on the inside and this morning I'm sure there are some of us like Sarah you are serving but you're also hurting inside please don't let that hurt to turn to cynicism the hurt is real we don't want to kind of Wish that away. The hurt is real. But in our hurt, we can turn to Jesus. You see, no one can really look at Jesus and remain cynical. How can we be cynical at a God who laid down His life for us by death on a cross? A shameful death on a cross. So if you're hurting with Him, don't allow that hurt to turn to cynicism. Look to Jesus. Have no doubt, cynicism with God is a dangerous spiritual condition. Dangerous. Cynicism can make us lie to God on his face. Exactly what Sarah did in this passage. God told her, she laughs. Sarah laughs to herself cynically and God says, why are you laughing? And Sarah lied to God. And she says I did not lo- I did not laugh. Sarah brazenly lied to God. So cynicism can make us lie to God. It can make us lie to ourselves. That's the first thing I wanted to draw out for us from this passage. Sarah's cynicism. The second thing I wanted to look at is Sarah's encounter with God. Sarah's encounter When the Lord came to visit Abraham in the form of those three men, do you remember what's the first thing God told Abraham? The very first thing God told Abraham, verse 9, they, the three men, God, said to him, where is your wife, Sarah? Where is Sarah, your wife? The first thing that God asked Abraham, that was the first thing God had asked Abraham. God had come to meet with Sarah. There are a lot of seats in the front as well. If anyone would like to come on. Welcome. You see, it's pretty obvious from the question that God had come with the specific intention of meeting with Sarah. If you remember the first sermon, he had met Hagar and transformed her. Then... In Genesis chapter 17, he had met Abraham and transformed him. That was the second sermon. And now, God has come to meet with Sarah. But unlike God's encounter with Abraham, Abraham and God's encounter with Hagar, his encounter with Sarah ends on a very perplexing note. This conversation that I just recounted, it seems so inconclusive. Actually, if you look at the conversation, it seems as if God's conversation with Sarah ended abruptly, without closure. Let's look at how the conversation and Sarah's encounter with God ended. Verse 12, Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? But the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And then verse fifteen. But Sarah denied it, saying, "I did not laugh, for she was afraid." God said, "No, you did laugh," and that's it. That's where that Sarah's encounter with God ends. Nothing else. Absolutely nothing else. What an abrupt way to end an encounter with God. In the light of the narrative so far, this 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 throws us off course this is not what you would expect when God met with Hagar she felt seen and immediately after that encounter with God she went back to Sarah she was changed when God met with Abraham he received God's grace in the form of circumcision and he was definitely changed because he was circumcised then and there and he received God's grace But when God met with Sarah, it seems as if it was a failed encounter. It seems as if nothing happened. It seems as if Sarah was not transformed. And in that conversation, the last thing Sarah told God was a brazen lie. And the conversation ends on that note. What's happening here? Was God angry with Sarah? Was God upset because Sarah remained cynical? Did God abandon Sarah to her cynicism? Not at all. I want to show you this morning, I really hope I can show you this morning, how God's grace incredibly transformed Sarah. In some ways, of the three transformations we are seeing of these three sinners, this is the most beautiful of the three. If you're someone who are struggling with cynicism, this will warm your heart. Let's look at the facts of the case here. We know, all of us know, that Sarah's cynicism turned to joy eventually because Sarah did have a child with Abraham. Isaac. The name Isaac means laughter, joy, laughter was born to them soon after Sarah's encounter with God just as God had promised. But that's not the point. But I do want to point us to something even more interesting here. Sarah's bitter cynicism turns to glorious faith even before she conceived. Sarah's cynicism turned to beautiful faith even before Before she conceived, how do we know that? The Bible tells us so. Look at Hebrews chapter eleven, verse eleven. By faith, Sarah received power to conceive, even though she was past the age. By faith, Sarah received the power to conceive. That, That is quite a statement. The encounter with God in Genesis chapter 18 ends with Sarah still cynical and lying to God on his face. But Hebrews tells us that by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive. Essentially, the Bible is telling her that soon after that encounter... Sarah's cynicism turned to faith, and it is that faith which actually helped her to receive God's promise of a child. So we know from the Bible that Sarah's bitter cynicism turned to glorious faith even before Isaac was actually born, even before she conceived, because the Bible tells us it is by faith she conceived. So what happened here? What happened here? What are we missing? So how did Sarah's bitter cynicism turn to glorious faith? I really want to show us how God transformed Sarah. And that's the last thing that I wanted to draw out for us from this passage. Sarah's faith. The last thing, Sarah's faith. Look at verse 12. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying... After I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? She laughed to herself and said this. I've read this verse many, many, many times. And every time I read this verse, I kind of assume that Sarah is talking about the joy and pleasure of having a baby. The joy of being a mother. The joy of being pregnant. Having carrying a child in her womb. I just assumed when Sarah said, uh, my, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure, I kind of assumed, she was talking about the pleasure of, of carrying life in her womb. The joy of being pregnant, the joy of becoming a mother. I kind of wondered what this meant, but I kind of assumed that it, the pleasure meant the pleasure of having a baby. That's what I assumed when at New City we preached through this uh, sermon series on the book of Genesis about a few years ago. That's what I assumed when I wrote a book Grace of God and Floss of Men um, again through the book of Genesis about six years ago. And over the years I had assumed that's what this meant the joy of having a baby carrying a child in her womb. I had assumed wrong. Fair warning fair warning, don't tell me I didn't warn you the sermon is now kind of heading into parental guidance territory which is why we send all the kids to the fourth floor I'm glad they are far away from us so I can speak to all of us as adults after I am worn out and my Lord is old shall I have pleasure that is what Sarah said you know what this really means in the original Hebrew, the word for pleasure, the root word for pleasure is Aden. And this word here refers to sexual pleasure. So here's what Sarah is telling God. I am so old and my husband is so old. There is no way on earth we are going to be able to have sex in order to have a baby. That's what Sarah is telling God. At that time, Abraham was 100 years old, almost 100 years old. Sarah was almost 90 years old. So Sarah's laughing cynically at God and tells him, how can we have sex in this old age in order to have a baby? That's what's happening here. That's exactly what Sarah is seeing. I'm sure we can all understand uh, Sarah's cynicism. You know, all of us living right now we really get Sarah's cynicism because we live in a culture where 30-year-old married couples are finding it to have sex because at the end of the day, we are all so tired because we've been busy so much all, all through the day. As a culture, we know what Sarah's talking about. How on earth can a 100-year-old husband and a 90-year-old wife have a baby? No wonder Sarah laughed cynically when God suggested this. God, are you rubbing it in? Where were you all these years when we could have had a baby? Now it's not possible you're telling us what are you doing God? We we can understand her cynicism. And we also see Sarah's encounter with God ended in a very perplexing way. It seems as if Sarah was not transformed at all. It seemed As if Sarah was not transformed, because at the end, she still closed that conversation with God with a lie. I did not laugh. But I'm going to show us how Sarah was actually deeply touched and transformed by that encounter with God. God's grace did transform Sarah. Do you know what Sarah did after that encounter with God? Please don't be shocked. You know what Sarah did after that encounter with God? Faithfully believing God and faithfully responding to God's promise, Sarah had sex with her husband Abraham. Genesis, Hebrew chapter 11, verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself received the power to conceive. What do you you think this means? Sarah, by faith, Sarah received the power to conceive. There's nothing in the Bible that suggests that Isaac was born without sexual union between Abraham and Sarah. Isaac was not conceived by the Holy Spirit. Only Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Isaac was conceived when Abraham and Sarah came together as husband and wife. Now if you're a little shocked, let me let me be, make something absolutely clear. Please don't get me wrong. This passage is not about sex. This passage is about faith. Sarah was so transformed, she was so transformed by the encounter with God that her faith turned into action. It's by faith, Sarah received the power to conceive. That's what Hebrews 11.11 11 tells us. Preaching on this passage many years ago, a, a, a pastor and author, Tim Keller, he said, he said this. This is exactly how we put it. By faith, Sarah had sex with her husband, Abraham. You see, after her encounter with God, Sarah overcame her cynicism. And not only did she overcame in the cynicism, her cynicism, she believed God. She received God's promise. And her faith did not stop there. In her faith, her faith turned into action. She moved forward, believing what God God said would come through. And by faith, she came together with her husband, Abraham. That's what Hebrews 11 is telling us. You see, for Sarah, sleeping with her husband was perhaps the highest expression of faith in Sarah's life. You see, decades, years and years and years of bitter cynicism and bitterness and disappointment had turned into glorious faith soon after Sarah's encounter with God. Sarah's faith turned into action. The grace of God did transform Sarah. After her encounter with God, cynicism was gone, faith was born. And Sarah now had a faith which translated into action. She believed God and she moved forward in that that faith that God would bless her with child as he had indeed promised. That's what Hebrews 11.11 tells us. By faith, Sarah received the power to conceive. It did not happen immediately at the encounter with God, but God did transform Sarah soon after. If you're in a season where you're feeling cynical and bitter with God, this passage should warm your heart. Hagar was transformed instantly. Sarah was not transformed in that moment, in that encounter, but she was transformed nonetheless. And it should warm your heart, our hearts, Because grace, grace always transforms sinful believers. Always. Grace, the grace of Jesus, never fails. Doesn't matter how hurt you've been. It doesn't matter how bitter you feel about your past hurts. It doesn't matter how cynical you are with God. If the Holy Spirit has indeed regenerated you, and if you're indeed a follower of Christ, a believer in Jesus, grace will transform you may take time, like it did in Sarah's case. But Jesus, he will transform you. Cynical Sarah came to faith. She believed in God. She believed in God's promise. And she acted in faith. So if you're in a cynical season, may I encourage you not to remain inactive in your faith. You see, cynical people, we withdraw. We become inactive. We just become paralyzed in our cynicism. And please, I, I urge you as your pastor, whatever your area of bitterness, we're not just talking about baby here, whatever your area of bitterness with God, do not be inactive. Like Sarah did, take that step of faith and God will bless you. Let me close Finally showing us how Jesus heals us of our bitterness and our cynicism, no matter how deep our hurts are. Verse 13 in the passage we read. The Lord said to Abraham, why does Sarah laugh? Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? And then verse 14, God tells Abraham and Sarah, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? You know, translation from Hebrew to English is, is never easy. And with some words, it's really um, hard and almost impossible uh, to, to translate all the shades of uh, a Hebrew word into English. And, and the word hard in this passage, in verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord, the word hard there is one of the harder words to, to, uh, to translate. The word hard in this passage not only refers to difficulty, but it also includes a sense of wonder. Is anything too hard for the Lord it should actually be read, is anything too wonderful for the Lord? So if you have online ESV translations, some of you and next to the word hard, you will find a note, you click on that note, it will lead you to the word wonderful. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? The Hebrew word wonderful for wonderful is the root word Pele. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? You know the exact same word Pele, meaning wonder, is used in many other parts in the Bible. But this morning I want to point to two such instances where the same word is used, which I think are extremely relevant to this passage and to the sermon. The first instance where the same word wonder is used that I want to point us to is Isaiah chapter 9 Verse 6. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given and the government shall rest upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor. The same word used in Genesis chapter 18 is exactly the same word that's used here. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? And that's not all. In Luke chapter one, when the angel Gabriel came, comes to visit Mary and tells Mary that she's going to conceive, and Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, is going to be born out of her womb when she conceives by the Holy Spirit. The angel Gabriel in Luke chapter one, verse thirty-seven, says, But nothing will be impossible, or nothing will be hard for the Lord, and here too nothing is too wonderful the same word when the angel uh, when God himself told Sarah is anything too hard for the lord here's my point here's my point in our spiritual lives the opposite of cynicism is wonder the opposite of cynicism is wonder the only thing that can heal us of our cynicism is a sense of wonder at who Jesus is and what he has done for us. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. His name shall be wonderful counselor. The wonder of Jesus, the wonder of Christ is the only healing for our cynicism. That God Himself would be punished on the cross for our sins so that we would be forgiven. This is the most wonderful thing in the universe. That God would become man, that He would become sin. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become His righteousness. That God himself would take our sin upon himself and give his righteousness to us. The gospel, the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. This is the most wonderful thing in the universe. And only the wonder of the gospel, nothing less can heal us of our cynicism. You see, cynicism can take root in our hearts only when wonder has faded. If you're cynical today, it only means that the wonder of Christ has faded from your heart a little bit. If this is true, similarly, similarly, if cynicism can take root in our hearts only when wonder has faded, then only The return of the wonder of Christ into our hearts can heal us of cynicism. Only the wonder of who Jesus is and what he has done for us can heal us of our cynicism. So whether we are pregnant or barren, whether we are single or married, whether we are rich or poor, whether we are successful or not, The wonder of Christ, the wonder of Jesus is the only thing that will eternally matter more than anything else. Make Jesus the wonder of your life. Make Jesus the greatest wonder of your life. Let us pray. Father we worship you Lord we confess our hearts are hard we come with simple prayer take away our hearts of stone and give us a heart of flesh that we might know you, that we might worship you and that all of us we might live with Jesus as the greatest wonder of our lives